A person who doesn't know what the universe is, doesn't know where they are, doesn't know their purpose in life, doesn't know who they are or what the universe is. A person who doesn't know anyone of these things doesn't know why they are here. So what to make of people who seek or avoid the praise of those who have no knowledge of where or who they are? Marcus Aurelius. Thank you guys for listening to the Only You Podcast. This is September, and it is Library Card Sign-Up Month of the Only You. Get out there, sign up that library card, y'all. We are doing a great author this month, Carl Young. I've been wanting to do him for a whole year because this guy, he's a psychoanalyst. He's a psychologist. He's a writer. He just has so many great ideas. He actually, you know, piggybacked off of Freud a lot, and he went up against Freud, you know, because there's three greats in the psychology world, and that's Freud being number one, Jung being number two, Adler being number three, and then William James would be number three as well, because they're all right up there, and they're just as big as the next. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. Today we're going to be doing the theory of psychoanalysis by Mr. Carl Jung at the Only You Podcast. Freud came up with the theory that the subconscious contains universal memory called archetypes. A person of recent times that I can actually tell you about that could tap into his universal memory was a guy, actually his name was Edgar Casey, and he was from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And Edgar Casey at one point would lay his head like on books and go into this meditative state. And when he would awake out of the state, he would know everything that was inside of the books. And at one time, he actually led a surgeon into doing one of the first brain surgeries. I, if I recall right, that a guy had gotten a nail stuck in his brain and on a construction site, I believe. And Edgar Casey put his head on several different medical books. And when he came to, he actually walked the doctor right through the surgery and sure enough, saved that guy's life. And if you have never heard about Edgar Casey, he was supposedly a prophet and supposedly he predicted 9-11. Um, he was really somebody that was studied. I think he lived up until like 1948. Very interesting guy, you know, and Freud's theories are still used today. And Carl Jung actually, he idolized Freud for a while, but then he started realizing, which a lot of people say that Jung already had his mind made up when he came into the psychoanalysis world. In reality, he was there to oppose Freud, and they became friends all the way up until a point that they finally just decided, no, we're not going to do this anymore, because Jung was actually pretty much dissecting every little thing that Freud did, and that became all they ever wrote about. So they actually had a meeting and decided they wouldn't do that anymore. And, you know, it's unfortunate when you lose a friend because, you know, tomorrow's only on the calendar of fools, you guys. And the more you realize that, the more you start living and the more you start caring about people. And today we're going to be doing the theory of psychoanalysis. I'm really excited to share this great read with you guys. And, you know, there's, there's several other reads I want to share with you, but this one I, I chose just for the fact that I needed to tell you is Jung's number one theory that he's most famous for is synchronicity. And synchronicity was a problem of causality. Could be approached direct relationships in which a cause and effect sequence could have an explainable effect were the common stock of science he said but what of those occurrences physic and nature which appear together in consciousness but have no apparent casual connection and yet they have been significance for the inner life of the individual as a simple example of young gave the case where he had ordered a white tuxedo. Yeah, listen to that. Yeah, he ordered a white tuxedo for an opera a week in advance. The day of the performance, he received news um, that a close friend had died, and the funeral, it, it would be the next day. So almost simultaneously, the tuxedo he had ordered a week before arrived, but the tailor had made the mistake of sending a suit of the wrong color, in this case, Black just was what he needed for the funeral that next day. 
Young was less interested in the explanation that there was some mysterious force at work in the explanation, yeah, that there was some mysterious force at work in the universe behind the scenes directly to, related to these events. And he was in the purport of his own uh, psychic state. And he, he found a similar case in Swedenborg's ability. Oh, yeah. Swedenborg's another theorist of that time. And, uh, he, you know, Jung actually did a lot of work with this guy. And um, Swedenborg's ability to describe in detail the progress of the Stockholm fire. The Swedenborg could have had some role in starting the fire, but having the thought was ludicrous to Jung. A more plausible explanation was that Swedenborg's experienced a fall of the threshold of consciousness and corresponding images became activated in his brain. The archetype connection had to do more with Swedenborg's uh, immediate psychic state, which gave him access to absolute knowledge. And I think this too, that like when your um, amygdala is you know, when your amygdala gets initiated, you're not able to just, you know, stop fighting or flighting. It don't work like that. And that's what he's talking about right here. You know, the absolute knowledge is when you use your medial lobes that are like right, there's two medial lobes and they're right above your eyeballs and they are for mindfulness. So like when your amygdala gets it, the, the amygdala is in the middle of your brain and when it gets activated you're either going to fight somebody or you're going to run away from them and your medial lobes are the mindfulness that actually look over and reign over the amygdala in your brain and say hey calm down there's nothing to worry about you know I'm absolute knowledge and that's where absolute knowledge comes from right here is from the medial lobes and you know, a lot of people spend their lives in a fight or flight state and you can get stuck like that for years and you never even exercise your medial lobes. And some human beings don't know how because they were raised in such traumatic, traumatic situations and they never come out of them. And they live in those situations forever. Impoverished ghetto areas, you know, of the United States and other countries too. Thank you guys for listening to the Only You podcast and hopefully you're enjoying this. We're going to talk about um, alchemical symbols Jung's interest in the alchemy also included comparisons with Swedenborg which I told you that's one of the guys that he loved to compare with um, Jung had been first attracted to the alchemical symbols through his friend the synologist Richard Wilhelm Wilhelm had translated a Chinese Taoism text on yoga the secret of the garden flower in 1931 and asked Jung to add a psychological commentary. Cool. So he totally pulled a Jerry Springer. <laughs> Let's end this on the, a good note. <laughs> Fascinated with the implications that alchemy involved not formulas for the chemical change of lead into gold, but a complex symbolism for the transmutation of the baser elements of the personality into the more noble young began a study of his own European alchemical uh, tradition, which eventually led him to deciphering the psychological and spiritual meaning of the European texts. Young's collected works continued numerous references comparing Swedenborg's life and ideas to the symbols in alchemy, which I also have done the podcast, The Alchemist. So go over there and check that book out too. The Alchemists were like all about numbers, but some people believe that the Alchemists were related to like the Masons here in the United States and that they're a secret society and that's how they built the pyramids and stuff was using the Alchemists to do all the math calculations. Kind of interesting to me. And I do want to say that, you know, Young is famous for coining the terms introvert and extrovert. Nobody had ever heard of those until he made them up. And Carl Jung also wrote a book on UFOs, and it was published in 1959. And he actually lived his whole entire life thinking that he was two people. And that's how he lived his whole life as two people. Like he, he could say, he could compartmentalize two separate lives. And he 
actually wrote about it in several of his um, essays. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to the Only You podcast, and hopefully you're enjoying this the theory of psychoanalysis. I was just teaching you about um, synchronicity because that was his Carl Jung's most famous theory. And then that, and another person that actually we know actually uh, encountered synchronicity in one of our podcasts was Leo Tolstoy. There was synchronicity. And I think it was the last podcast I did on him, and that was the cobbler. When he talked, when the cobbler made the shoes for the guy, but in reality, the little angel made pretty much death slippers because the guy actually died that night. But he was an angel and had a feeling that he was going to need them. That was another synchronicity. So that was kind of cool. And Leo Tolstoy wrote that long before Carl was ever even born. So. Think, of, think about that. If you don't think synchronicity is real, it definitely is, and it's still revered today as one of the greatest breakthroughs um, ever in the psychoanalytical world. And I do want to say to you guys, you know, there are libraries out there in every city where you can get a library card. Some of these books, you can go over there and you can check them out and read them, and you can do it at your own pace, you know. But this, this podcast is all about books. I love books. I've been around books my whole life. I was taken to the library as a kid with my mom. Got my first library card when I learned how to read at five years old. And I've been going to the library since. So hopefully you guys will get out there and enjoy learning and reading some of these books that I'm sharing with you to help your mind grow, to help somebody develop a different way of thinking, help somebody realize their emotional attachment styles that are affecting family members to realize that there's a judge and a victim in your mind you're putting your true self in the corner or to realize that you know we live in a world where you know some of our presidents are borderline psychopath john f kennedy was a borderline psychopath bill clinton was a borderline psychopath donald trump was a borderline psychopath and it's so funny right now i I do want to share with you guys in the united states we actually receive You know, we work our whole lives here in the United States, and we work for the goal that we're going to retire at 67 and get to live a couple years before we die in peace. But a lot of times that don't happen. So when you retire at 67, you know, the U.S. government will send you a check for about $1,200 to $1,400 a month. And you barely get by, but then you find little ways to, you know, make a couple bucks here. You know, you save your cans. You go cash them in. You know, you... Whatever, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you find ways to make some money. But what really bothers me about my country is that, you know, down there on the southern border, all you do is swim the Rio, you know, crawl under the Rio Grande, however you got to do it to get here. And my government that's in office right now will hand you $2,200 to $2,400 a month. No questions asked for asylum seekers. And which that's bankrupting the United States, all for the political machine. And, you know, the president right now just began last week selling off our former president's um, border wall. Well, that's alarming because now uh, there's going to be even more asylum seekers coming through those walls being torn down. And why would any president of ours ever do this? Illegal, it's illegal to be in the United States. But is it? There's all these laws protecting illegals. They're sanctuary states. And... You know, the far, we all know that the far left are so excited about the newcomers because the newcomers are here to drive down the middle class and make it um, more easier for them to vote whoever wants to be in office of this money regime that's been in there. And they're doing that on your and I's back. They're making sure, they're, they're auditing us now using the driver's license system and all these other, the child support systems. They're auditing us to make sure that we're working 40 plus hours a week. And if we're not working 40 plus hours a week, you know what they're going to do? They're going to raise the federal rates on us to make sure they're going to work even harder. Oh, you want a four day work week? Well, I got news for you. That's not going to happen because we got these newcomers coming in here. They're going to be taking all you natural born citizens place. Well, I don't want that. And it's alarming. And thank you guys for listening to the only you podcast. And I'm all about American sovereignty. I'm all about India's sovereignty. I'm all about, you know, Russia's sovereignty. I'm all about China's sovereignty. I love you guys. A theory of psychoanalysis by Dr. Carl Jung. The therapeutical principles of psychoanalysis. While the psychoanalysis, of course, knows 
of this therapeutic tendency to extricate the patient from his unhealthy fantasies, he also knows just how far this mere intricating of neurotic patients from their fantasies goes. As physicians, we should never think of preferring a difficult and complicated method. Remember, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Thank you guys for listening. As physicians, we should never think of preferring a difficult and complicated method. Assailed by all authorities to a simple, clear, and easy one without good reason. Because nobody in the world wants to do something that's difficult. You know, because most people get defeated because they don't believe... I mean, most people don't believe that they have the ability to do things until somebody actually throws them into a position and they realize they can exceed at just about anything. I am perfectly well acquainted with hypnotic suggestion and with the Boyce method of persuasion. And I do want to share with you guys that Paul DeBoyce was actually a Swiss neuropathologist and Dr. Young's talking about him here right now. Um, Du Bois actually wrote The Psychic Treatment of Nervous Disorders, and that was like his only book that he wrote. And Du Bois was 27 years old when Carl Jung was born, and I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, Du Bois's method of persuasion, it, it was believed necessary to appeal to a patient's intellect and reason in order to eliminate negative and self-destructive habits. Um, Paul created, or excuse me, uh, Dr. Du Bois, he created a mythology that was a form of Socratic dialogue. And remember that we wouldn't know anything about Socrates unless pl if Plato had not wrote everything he said down. And that's how we know about Socrates is because Plato wrote down everything because Plato was a student. He used a psychotic dialogue that used a doctor-patient relationship to persuade the patient to change his or her behaviors. This method started with actually with, uh, you know, hypocrites and like around 400 BC and all physicians in the world based their, um, pretty much I would say their bedside manner off of hypocrites. Um, the Du Bois method of persuasion kind of reminds me of author Eric Byrne in Games People Play. And, you know, check out that podcast. Games referring to human transactions that are predictable and have an ulterior or hidden motive. Usually a payoff of some kind, such as sympathy or admiration for one or more of the players. And remember, I had done that podcast and you can go back and check it out. Remember, you know, Young is coined for the terms introvert and extrovert. The world had never heard those until he in, introduced those. And now back to the theory of psychoanalysis by Dr. Carl Young. And thank you guys again for listening. The same reason I do not use the direct re-education de la volonté as the psychoanalytic method gives me better results. In applying psychoanalysis, we must grant the regressive fantasies of the patient for psychoanalysis has a much broader outlook as regards the valuation of symptoms that have the above psychotherapeutic methods. These all emanate from the assertion that a neurosis is an absolute morbid formation. And remember, uh, neurosis is... I believe it's like it's when um, there's a compromise between the morbid tendencies and the normal functions of life, pretty much. And that's how Carl Jung describes it. The reigning school of neurology has never thought of considering neurosis as a healing process. Also, of attributing to the neurotic formation a quite special teleological meaning. Neurosis, like every other disease, is a compromise between the morbid tendencies and the normal function. Yes, I just told you that. Modern medicine no longer considers uh, fever as the illness itself, but a purposeful reaction of the organism. And remember, if you ever have a fever, that means your body's acidic. 
You want to try to drink as much milk, water, anything of a base product to get your body back to alkalized. And especially if you have a fever, just know that your blood is literally acidic at that point. And that's why the doctor always tells you, you need to be slamming water because you got to alkalize your body to heal. And not a lot of people know that about um, colds. Anytime you get any kind of virus or bacteria in your, um, your antibodies, throw out white blood cells, you know, that occurs. So anyways, back to the theory of psychoanalysis by Dr. Carl Jung. Neurosis, like every other disease, is a compromise between the morbid tendencies and the normal function. I want to share that one more time because that's important. Psychoanalysis, likewise, no longer conceives a neurosis as an eo ipso morbid also having a meaning and a purpose from this there follows the more reserved and expectant attitude of psychoanalysis towards neurosis um, psychoanalysis does not judge the value of the symptoms but first tries to understand what tendencies lies beneath these symptoms and i think as human beings we all try to understand what these where the symptoms are coming from you know, if you catch some kind of cold, what do you do? You're like, oh, who was I around that was sick? That's a similar theory right there. You know what I mean? If we were able to abolish a neurosis in the same way, for instance, as a cancer is destroyed, then at the same time, there would be a dest destroyed a great amount of available energy also. And that energy could be being used to like fight that cancer off. And everybody in the world actually has the cells that um, are cancer in their bodies, everybody. And because all cancer is, is an abnormal cell. We save this energy, that is, we make it serve the purpose of the instinct for health. As soon as we can trace the meaning of these symptoms by taking part in the regressive movement of the patient, those unfamiliar with the essentials of psychoanalysis will have some difficulty in understanding how a therapeutic effect can come to pass when the physician takes part in the pernicious. And the word pernicious means highly injurious or destructive, tending to a fatal issue or deadly. Pernicious fantasies of the patient. Not only critics, but the patients also doubt the therapeutic value of such a method, which concentrates attention upon fantasies which the patient rejects as worthless and reprehensible. The patients will often tell you that their former physicians forbade them to occupy themselves with their fantasies and told them that they must only consider that it is well with them when they are free, if but momentarily, from their awful torments. So it seems strange enough that it should be of any use to them when the treatment brings them back to the very thing from which they have tried constantly to escape. The following answer may be made. All depends upon the position which the patient takes up towards his own fantasies. The fantasies have been hitherto for the patient an absolutely passive and involuntary manifestation. As we say, with, he was lost in his dreams. The patient's so-called brooding is an involuntary kind of dreaming, too. What psychoanalysis dreams from a patient is only apparently the same. That sounds like daydreaming to me. Only a man who has a very superficial knowledge of psychoanalysis can confuse this passive dreaming with the position taken up in analysis. What psychoanalysis asks from the patient is just the contrary of what patients has always done. The patient can be compared to a person who unintentionally has fallen into the water and sunk whilst psychoanalysis wants him to dive in, as it was no mere chance which led him to fall in at just that spot. There lies a sunken treasure, and only a diver can raise it. The patient judging the fantasies from the standpoint of his reason regards them as valueless and senseless, but in reality, the fantasies have their great influence on the patient because they are of great importance. I would say to a patient they would be greatly important too. They are old sunken treasures which can only be recovered by a diver that is the patient's contrary to their won't 
must now pay an active attention to their inner life. And that goes for anything to do with the mind is, you know, a lot of things are caused by ourselves due to lack of really focusing on root causes and, um, you know, finding trouble and focus, you know, and a lot of us actually have serious focus issues and don't know how to get back to good. We don't know, you know, we don't know anything that could help our minds stay focused or stay on track. You know, I actually have an idea for you guys, and that would be to try some kind of adaptogens. And adaptogens increase the state of nonspecific resistance and stress and decrease sensitivity to stressors, which is life, and anything going on inside of your head, which is causing the downplay of, you know, neurotransmission, um, which results in stress um, protection. And adaptogens also help with a better overall feeling every single day of your life. And most doctors say that you should give, you know, a day off during the week if you actually are taking adaptogens every day. And adaptogens are like ashwagandha, magnesium, and they sell focus factor. They, they, they sell um, uh, beast brain. I think Joe Rogan supports beast brain. Um, but there's also, and, and those beast brain is actually a nootropic. And there's nootropics too. And nootropics are also known as smart drugs. And these help with focus. These help with ADHD. You know, um, they have, uh, it's called Vivamind, Vivamind, which is a type of stack for ADHD, but it's all healthy properties. And adaptogens are plants and mushrooms. And a lot of nootropics use adaptogens. And there are synthetic um, nootropics, which is like Adderall, which you don't want to use that crap. That's, it's garbage. And it actually makes people very, very horrible inside. And they become so, so depressed over time. And nootropics um, is a uh, diverse group of medicinal substances whose action improves human thinking, learning, and memory, especially in cases where um, these functions are impaired and people are struggling. And some of the nootropics are like obviously ginkgo, ginkgo biloba, rhodola, rosea. Um, and I guess like the number one nootropic out there is neoceptin. And it's the most complete um, nootropic, I guess. And they probably are only putting that out there, paying money to have you go out and buy it. And I want to share with you guys some other stuff about um, nootropics as well. Because I think that has to do with some of the stuff. Like, you know, you can f buy some of this stuff at Walmart. Like, uh, they have 5-HTP is a serotonin precursor in the brain. It is naturally occurring. It's a natural occurring byproduct of um, the amino acid tryptophan. And if you don't know anything about tryptophan, tryptophan is the reason at Thanksgiving why you fall asleep after you eat turkey because the tryptophan actually has the power to put you to sleep. It, and uh, ser serotonin is a neurotransmitter that helps communication between neurons. So 5-HTP, you can buy this at Walmart. I've seen it actually last week there. As a nootropic, easily crosses the blood-brain barrier. And once it converts to serotonin, can help improve mood, control behavior, and appetite, and actually help you sleep. Um, research shows that 5-HTP can help in impulse control and balance your moods, resulting in less anxiety and even reduce panic attacks. So that's kind of a cool one. And, you know, you can find some of this stuff on Amazon as well. Hopefully you're enjoying this read. Now back to it. Thank you guys, and hopefully you're enjoying The Theory of Psychoanalysis by Dr. Carl Jung. Earlier, I had mentioned a gentleman named Edgar Casey. I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Edgar Casey because in reality, once Carl Jung passed away in 1961, he had already been revered as like the father of the New Age movement. And it wasn't apparent that there was a New Age movement until after 1961 into the 70s. 
And Edgar Casey was actually um, part of the New Age movement. And he has his own foundation. He has his own um, beliefs because he was also a person that knew about the subconscious and all the different compartments inside of your mind that he could actually walk in and out of these compartments. And he told people once he hits that trance state that there wasn't anything he couldn't do. And Casey was actually brought into the church at the age of 10. And once he found the Bible there, he became engrossed in the Bible. And over the next two years, he read it from cover to cover, like dozens of times. In May of 19, or excuse me, in May of 1889, while reading the Bible in his hut in the woods, Casey said he encountered a woman with wings who told him that his prayers had been answered. The woman asked him what he wanted most of all, and Casey told um, biographer Thomas uh, Surgru that he was frightened of the angel, but told the woman or the angel that he wanted to help others, especially children. He eventually decided that he wanted to be a missionary. And Casey said that the next night after a complaint from his teacher, he said that he generally found it difficult to focus on his lessons. His father ruthlessly tested him on spelling and angrily knocked Casey out of his chair from time, from time to time. Casey said that he heard the woman with wings tell him if he went to sleep, they could help him. He put his head on his spelling book and fell asleep. When his father returned to the room and woke him up, he knew all the answers and repeated anything in the book. He said that his father thought he had been fooling him before and knocked him out of his chair again. Casey said that he then studied all the school books that way by sleeping on them. And I had told you earlier that I had read years ago about him uh, performing a surgery after laying his head. I mean, it wasn't just like he laid his head on a, these eight books for a few minutes. It was like a whole night's sleep that he was on those books because he really was literally going through the books in his mind, each page. And he didn't even have to turn the pages. So just know that everything in this world is energy. Everything is possible. And if you've never read the book called The Celestine Prophecy, run out there and check that book out. And it'll help you understand, you know, kind of where Edgar Casey's coming from as well. Because I think our journey here on this earth is to become more like light than of dark. And thank you guys again for sharing me. Thank you for following me. Thank you for listening. And I want to share some other things that I've found um, that uh, Carl Jung actually you know, pretty much led us to find with it. Like, so he's like the new age. He's, he's the founder of the new age movement. And, you know, in 1942, one of Carl's most famous sayings is, uh, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. And you're only as sick as your secrets. Remember that. The latter procedure, however, is disagreeable and therefore not popular. And, you know, Carl Jung actually, he revered William James. William James came up with pragmatism. And when Carl Jung read about pragmatism, it made his uh, synchronicity theory that much more apparent. So he actually started working with the American psychologist. I think he's actually just as good as Adler. So I say he's number three, too, but he's probably really number four in the psychological world. But um, Carl Jung and uh, uh, William James, actually, they, start, they became pen pals and they met, they talked theories together. And in reality, the great thing about, or the, the thing I find great about William James is that he was Ralph Waldo Emerson's grandson. I mean, Ralph Waldo Emerson was our author last month. He was the founder of the Transcendentalist Movement, and William James was a Transcendentalist. And so was everybody else that lived on the East Coast back then. In 1945... Um, Carl Jung was quoted, one of his greatest quotes was, knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness of other people. Because then you can actually 
realize, hey, you know, I have some things about me that are some skeletons in my closet. If I can understand why I am the way I am and get to the root cause, it will help me understand why people act and behave the way they do. Because people are predictable. There's nothing anybody does that cannot be related to things that have gone on or things that they have thought about for so long that they actually have become those things. Because whatever you fix your mind upon, that's what you become the most. It, it would not help you not very much to study books only, you guys. Thought is indispensable, too. You may try to find out what I mean in my books, and if you have a close friend, try to look behind his scene in order to discover yourself. And that's a hard thing to do. You can't find yourself in somebody else. And that's why everybody always tells you, you need to develop yourself and love yourself before you can go out and get married and be in a relationship and help develop somebody else. Because that's a man's goal in life is help helping your helper become the best helper they can be. And that's what my job as a male to my, my, my woman is, is to help her and cultivate her and garden her soul to where I know anything that I'm lacking, she's sufficient in. And that we're going to be the most greatest powerhouse in our family. You know, Young is regarded by many as the father of the term new age. Uh, repeatedly in his work, he wrote the new eon or era, referring to shift from the platonic mouth of Pisces, uh, of that of Aquarius with his keen intuition attuned to collective guides. Um, Jung knew that others in transitional time, when many new movements, groups, and organizations had activities that would arise to both reflect and foster the shift from the old to the new era. And with anything, there's always a wild, wild west phase. So at this time, I mean, yeah, Sigmund Freud had, you know, made up uh, psychoanalysis from 18 whatever to whenever he passed away in 1910 or whatnot. But, you know, it took, it, the, there was still the wild, wild west phase of the psychoanalytical world. So there was other people out there like uh, Karen Horney. Or no, Karen Horney was her name. What a, ain't that kind of funny. Her name was Karen Horney. And she opposed, she was the, she's actually considered um, the female of the psychological movement. Like she's the founding female of the psychological movement as opposed to Freud, and she opposed Freud. She stepped up to him and told him that his penis envy theory was wrong, that women don't even think like that. So penis envy is actually, Freud came up with a theory that said that women, by the time they hit puberty, they start realizing that they don't have a penis. So they start freaking out, where's my wiener at? So they start looking around the house. No. <laughs> Just kidding, y'all. <laughs> Sorry, but it, that is true, though, that Karen Horney actually opposed Freud, and she proved that penis envy wasn't, and it wasn't biological, that it was environmental, actually. And um, Carl Jung was so happy that she did, because he, it was crazy that everybody wanted to go up against the person that actually created created this movement, you know, the psychoanalysis and psychoanalytical world that we know today. You know, uh, dying in 1961, Jung did not live to see most of these features of the last half of the 20th century, but he did um, encounter people who manifest an attitude common to many New Agers. In this essay, I will identify some of them. And the guy goes on to, like, tell you all about Jung and he, and he even tells you about Edgar Casey here. You know, Edgar Casey, in over 14,000 trance readings, opened up fertile avenues of investigation in an array of areas, including holistic health, Atlantis, and spirituality. His organization, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is that's still out there and they're still doing research, has carried on and expanded his work. Uh, Rudolf Steiner made many contributions from biodynamic gardening 
Does that not sound really cool? I thought it did. I thought, wow, what is biodynamic gardening? So biodynamic gardening um, is actually a method that um, it pretty much is like uh, farms aspire to generate their own uh, fertility, excuse me, futility through composting, integrating animals, and cover cropping and uh, crop rotation, in which I did learn about all that stuff when I took uh, horticulture in college, uh, as well as founding the Waldorf system of education. You know, this guy, um, Young is the father of the New Age movement, really. He, he came to a point where he had so many great ideas that he was actually ushering in all kinds of psychologists in the next 50 years that you and I actually all know. And many people find his work to be some of the best. Um, they find him to be very credible to this day and that um, most people don't know that he helped pave the way for many, many new psychologists that we see in today's society. And I want to get back to the theory of psychoanalysis. And thank you guys again for following me. Thank you for listening. And I do want to say, if you want to check out Pragmatism by William James, you can find that on my platform. Um, you can find Ralph Waldo Emerson, his grandfather, on my platform. And also, I talked to you earlier about synchronicity and Leo Tolstoy. So if you want to hear an actual story that somebody wrote before they ever even understood what the theory of synchronicity was because I, um, Tolstoy was 50 years old by the time Carl Jung was born. So he actually wrote that story long before uh, Carl Jung had been incepted. So I find that to be very informative. And thank you guys. And hopefully you enjoy Carl Jung because to me, Carl Jung is still irrelevant to this day and very powerful in my mind because everything he writes... He also, he gets more detailed about his thoughts than Freud does. I feel like Freud kind of rushed and was all over the place, but also Freud was a cokehead, you know. Um, him and a, a, a surgeon named Halstead both suffered from coke addiction. And in reality, Freud in his writing started writing about how he was suffering and he didn't know why. Well, Freud actually kicked the habit. Halstead got committed to an insane asylum and Halstead was the first person that uh, I believe invented surgery. And surgery was a big deal back then. Um, obviously the mind was a big deal back then because they had insane asylums for people that were autistic. They used to chain autistic kids up to trees and stuff. And I actually met a guy when I was a kid who he would, his name was, um, man, I can't, Donnie. And Donnie was in my town, but they told me that Donnie's, his parents used to chain him to a tree back in the fifties in my hometown. And I would see Donnie and I'd say hi to him. He'd go, and that's how he would talk. And it's unfortunate because his parents didn't have any idea that they didn't have to chain him to a tree and treat him that way. They treated him that way because society deemed him to be mentally retarded, and he wasn't. Just because somebody's autistic doesn't mean they don't have functioning capabilities, because they do. You just got to give them a chance. And thank you guys again for listening, and thank you for being my fans. I love all you guys. I woke up this morning and realized we hit 20,000 listens, fans. Thank you so much. It's your boy, Lo Jackson, at the Only You Podcast. And hopefully you're enjoying the theory of psychoanalysis by Dr. Carl Jung. Hopefully you've enjoyed learning about adaptogens and uh, nootropics. You know, there's lots of different things out there that you guys don't know about. Maybe you need to look up halogens. Maybe you guys are having issues with your thyroid. Maybe you're eating too much ice cream. There's bromide in that stuff. That's a halogen. There's certain things that this crowd don't know that I'm trying to teach you with this podcast. And I want to say thank you so much for all your support. Thank you for your five-star reviews, and thank you for sharing me with a friend. I tried to have that campaign on one of my episodes last month. Share me with a friend. Reach out there and realize that some of this information you've never heard and some of the stuff that I know you don't know. And I appreciate that. That's what this is about. 
if I don't know something, please reach out, send me an email. I put my email out there for a reason. So if you want to get involved, you can. Thank you guys for sharing me. Thank you for following me. And I did tell you guys about adaptogens. I want to get a little bit more back into that because it is September here at the Only You, and it is Library Card Sign Up Month, and I want you to get out there and sign up for the library. But adaptogens are plants and mushrooms that we all need to be aware of. You know, Tom Brady, you know, the famous football a quarterback, he actually takes 57 different supplements a day just to stay in peak performance. And he's the same age as me. So he's in his 40s and he's doing it. He's retired now. But do you think he stopped taking the adaptogens and the nootropics that he was taking? Of course not. I looked at what he took because his dad came out and said, my son takes 57 supplements a day. Can you believe that? So I started kind of looking a little bit more into Tom Brady and I realized, whoa, Tom Brady's a damn genius. You know, his focus and his A-game came from actually using adaptogens and nootropics and not, um, like, you know, Adderall. Adderall is, is man-made. It's, it's an adaptogen, but it's a synthetic adaptogen that causes great depression after you've been on it for a while. And people are still out there using this drug to study better and get more focused. But I want to teach you guys a little bit more about the mushrooms that I take every day. And I found a little bottle of um it's a uh, little mushroom regiment they sell at walmart for four dollars and 88 cents and i take it in reality it ups my focus game so much it like i can feel my brain flex once it kicks in every day because i've been taking it now for i don't know two years and i take several other adaptogens i take ashwagandha i take um Focus Factor Magnesium, because it's a yummy little gummy supplement. It tastes like a candy, but Lion's Mane, I'm going to start actually growing Lion's Mane, Corpside, and uh, Reishi Mushroom. And I do want to say this. Um, I have a son that actually has four autoimmune diseases. Not a lot of people know that, but when my son hit puberty, <clears throat> he actually, his first year, I came downstairs in Phoenix, Arizona, and I thought, whoa, somebody broke in because there was a 200 and some pound dudes sitting in my, on my couch. So I grabbed a baseball bat. In reality, it was my son. He was having an allergic reaction in my eyes, rushing him to the hospital. He was in the hospital for a month and he wound up having nephrotic syndrome, which is a kidney um, disease or um, actually an autoimmune disease. And the only thing I could find once I started researching that, because my son actually belonged to two specialists that only had five patients in the whole world. And my son was such a rare case that every year around September, the next year he actually went down for the count and he wound up being neutropenic to where his body stopped creating white blood cells. And then the year after that, he fell asleep and didn't wake up and we had to rush across town to get him, you know, at somebody else's house because he was actually diabetic. As soon as we walked into the Phoenix children's hospital he projectile vomited they took his blood and they're like he's diabetic we're like no he's not they're like yes he is gave him insulin boom came right back around but in my studying i found that reishi mushroom was like the only thing that actually helped the nephrotic syndrome stay dormant and it was um a property and i want to tell you a little bit more about reishi reishi has been used in traditional chinese medicine to reduce stress and anxiety, and reishi has antioxidant properties that may support overall brain health. So maybe those autoimmune diseases are tied to the brain and the stresses of life. And then the more that people are stressed, I do believe the more that our DNA and our genes wind up passing on heretical things that we create over time with generations, you know, and the main benefits of reishi are it helps manage stress, supports health immunity function, and it's a super adaptogen. So anything to do with reishi mushroom, you want to check it out. And there's a lot more that it helps with than just that. Like it actually helps um, elevate kind of like blood pressure and stuff too. And I want to tell you about lion's mane, which Lion's mane is one of the main mushrooms. It's regarded as one of the greatest mushrooms, honestly, in nootropics. It's uh, due to its ability to boost cognitive performance, increase memory, and stimulate the development of brain cells. And it supports memory focus, supports nerve health. So, you know, 
You need if you got nerve issues, you definitely want to be taking some lion's mane. That's important. And if you got severe nerve pain, remember, grind up some watermelon seeds. That's what all the nerve medications are made of. And like, you know, though some of the plants that actually all plants are where our drugs come from. And like foxglove. Look up foxglove. Foxglove is a beautiful flower. Well, that's where coumadin comes from, which is you know, for people with high LDL levels or high HDL levels in their system, you know, and that's all, you know, those are what cause people to have massive heart attacks. Like my dad, he died of a massive heart attack because his LDL levels were so high, but he also ate a lot of red meat and didn't exercise. Now, there's a mushroom out there called corpside, which, um, its potential to enhance uh, athletic performance is one of the reasons why corpside is well sought after in the athletic world and corpsides also have antioxidant properties and they support brain health um the main benefits of corpsite though is like neutral um vitality so it actually supports anti-aging in which people do use it in the beauty world for that and it supports endurance and recovery so like that's why athletes love and eat corpsite like at every meal they'll eat it because they're actually rebuilding themselves without you know, forcing the body to have to come up with all the properties to help, you know, all the amino acids and everything to go into rebuilding muscles. And another one I want to talk to you about is uh, shaga, a shaga mushroom, which is C-H-A-G-A. The shaga is rich in antioxidants and uh, betalinic acid, which I have no idea what betalinic acid really is, you guys, but I will find out and I'll share it with you. And that is... Um, a naturally occurring trapanoid, which has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties. So that's a good thing. And it's good for anti-inflammatory properties and anti-malarial effects. So wow, check that out. That's interesting. I never knew that. So this shaga mushroom actually helps fight against malaria. And if you guys don't know anything about malaria, um, African people actually get sickle cell from cell mutation uh you know it's the effects of their people actually having malaria and then passing on the malaria to a child the blood and their neurochemicals actually created sickle cell and it's a painful disease i have a friend that two friends that actually have sickle cell anemia and they struggle with it forever so I mean, check it out. Shaga Mushroom helps with that. So hopefully you guys have learned so much stuff about adaptogens and nootropics that you'll realize that once you start aging, you know, Tom Brady ain't stupid and Tom Brady didn't win all those Super Bowls just for the fact that um, did it without any help of nootropics or adaptogens because you, your body needs those things. And nobody wants to tell you that because they want you to go out and spend your pill, money on pills. Spend your pills on pills. <laughs> I am quite ridiculous at times, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, and thank you for sharing me, and thank you for following me, and hopefully you've enjoyed this month of Carl Jung and the theory of psychoanalysis. This is the traumatic theory criticized. Although, as a matter of fact, the discovery of Bauer and Freud is certainly true, as can easily be proved by every case of hysteria, several objections can be raised to the theory. It must be acknowledged that excuse me knowledge it must be acknowledged that their method shows with wonderful clearness the connection between the actual symptoms and the shock as well as the psychological consequences which necessarily follow from the traumatic event but nevertheless a doubt arises as to the etiological significance of the so-called trauma or shock it is extremely difficult for any critical observer of hysteria to admit that a neurosis with all its complications can be based on events in the past as it were on one emotional experience long past and I know this is true because I actually know somebody personally who has had a traumatic situation happen to them like 25 years ago and every time I talk to them that's all they ever talk about they, like they and they manifest like this big huge story and charade like they created their own prison and they've been forced to like, you know, have this type of 
um, stuff going on, like the shock and the symptoms, like Dr. Young's talking about here. And it's pretty interesting because I actually know somebody is suffering from this. It is extremely difficult for any critical observer of hysteria to admit that a neurosis with all its complications can be based on events in the past. And I try to bring that up to this person and try to help them, you know, validate what happened, accept what happened, and then move on. But some people get stuck in that trauma loop of like, oh, I can't believe this happened to me. This ain't happened to me. You know, I'm powerless, so I got to create this situation inside of my head that makes me powerful over this. And that's the thing that gets us caught up is like literally forcing your mind to think that you have power of circumstances outside of yourself to deem yourself you know, powerful enough to take care of yourself, which you are, but some things in life you can't control. You can't control what other people do or say or how they treat you. You can't control what the courts and the judges and the lawyers do to you. You can't control what the doctors and the hospitals and everybody is doing to you and all the bills and all the bill people. You can't help the way these systems are created. We've created these systems because this is a money mill here in America. And everybody needs to realize, the sooner you wake up and realize, like the stuff I told you in the beginning about what's going on in our government, that stuff's real and true. It is more or less fashionable at present to consider all abnormal um, physical conditions. And so far as they are of exogenic growth as the consequences of heredity, degeneration, and not as essentially influenced by the psychology of the patient and the environment. Because environment plays a factor in everything about you. Everything that you wake up to, everything you go to sleep to is your environment. All the people you allow into your circle to cause 80% of your disrespect and discontent yeah, that's what's going on. This conception is too narrow and not justified by the facts. To use an analogy, we know perfectly well how to find the right middle course in dealing with the etiology of tuberculosis, in which they did back then with tuberculosis. They knew how to take care of it. They knew exactly all the symptoms. They knew how it acted, and they knew how it was spreading. There are, of course, cases of tuberculosis where in earliest childhood, the germ and the disease falls upon a soil predisposed by heredity so that even in the most favorable conditions, the patient cannot escape his fate. And it just sucks the life out of you. And it's unfortunate. Thank God that we learned how to beat tuberculosis. Praise God. Nonetheless, there are also cases where unfavorable conditions, illness, can be prevented despite a predisposition to the disease. Nor must we forget that there are still other cases without hereditary disposition or individual inclination, and in spite of this, fatal infection occurs. All this holds equally true of the neurosis, where matters are not essentially different in their method of procedure than they are in general pathology. Neither a theory in which the predisposition in all important, nor one in which the influence of the environment is all important will ever suffice. And that's the truth. And I see the person I know going through that every day and it's sad and it sucks. Hopefully you've enjoyed the theory of psychoanalysis by Dr. Carl Jung. Thanks again, everybody. I do appreciate you and love you so much. As the saying goes, everybody, love and be loved. 20,000 listens at the Only You and Rising. Thank you so much, everybody, for your five-star reviews. And I did come across somebody that wrote something really kind on one of my podcasts today. Spotify notified me that one of you guys uh, posted on one of my podcasts. Thank you so much. That was the kindest review I had ever had. And I'm so glad that this podcast is informative. Thank you for letting me know that... It's reaching somebody and teaching somebody something. That's so cool. I appreciate it. And 
keep on coming back because there's more to learn here and I'm learning too and I'm trying to learn more about editing more about reaching more people getting myself out there and hopefully building something cool with you guys that in the future you'll be like yeah I was there in the beginning that guy is a clown but you know what he really came around and hopefully you enjoyed learning about adaptogens uh, nootropics halogens um, Fluorides of halogens in your toothpaste. Um, you know, there. If you're having certain kind of mood swings, um, anxieties, you know, you got to get some adaptogen in your body. But also, go to a doctor and have them do a blood panel draw and see what your hormone levels look like. You know, there's hormone companies out there like Avexius. They actually pellet you and put the hormones you're missing after they do your blood test. They do a blood test to make sure once they give you the pellet and biotines another pellet company because peptides are important and it's not steroids or anything like that these peptides and um like these companies uh Avexius and biotine they have a lot to offer and they're probably located somewhere near you um get online google them you'll find them and they'll do a blood draw and get you back on track because not all all adaptogens are going to fix everything but if you're having studying issues or focus issues on your job or maybe you feel like your mind's deteriorating and sudoku ain't doing enough you know try a mushroom regimen you know a lot of people believe scientists especially the human beings actually came from mycelia that our dna is closely related to the mycelia of you know ancient eras ago millions of years ago but anyways you guys thank you for the 20,000 listens thank you for going out there and getting a library card hopefully you've enjoyed all the different things i've told you about carl young and hopefully you've enjoyed the theory of psychoanalysis and you know william james and carl young actually did write a book together called doorways to the self get out there and check that book out too i thought about doing that one but this next book i'm going to do you guys is going to blow you away it's going to be one of your favorites i promise it's going to climb the charts thank you so much and happy day to all you guys